Hello, everyone. How are you all doing? So here's what's up. Like, I used to be a high school teacher, right? And I was also a college instructor. And so, um, like I tell the folks at Grace, like, if I ask you a question, I like, like, I really want your feedback. So holler back at a brother, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, and then, like, I'm going to move around and whatnot. So I'm going to go ahead and just pop this off. Okay, there you go. Um, so, I, so it is absolutely my pleasure to be here with you all, um, with brothers and sisters that I've never been with before. Uh, and so to uh, Pastor Aiden and Pastor Charles, who's not here, again, my pleasure to be here. And obviously, I thank my wife for being here with me um, today. And let me just say, so worship team, great job to you all. And so great singing. But I will also say that you all also have some great singers in the audience. Like I heard some people hitting the note in the audience. That's a good thing. That is a very good thing, all right? Um, now, I'm gonna go ahead, ooh, and to the people who are joining online uh, or who will watch this service and listen to this sermon later on, welcome to you also. So, if you don't mind, I'm gonna go ahead and just jump into the sermon because today I wanna talk to you about one of God's methods for developing and maturing his children. Um, but before we hop into the text, I actually want to have us to take a trip down to Paris Island, South Carolina. You see, uh, that is where you have the, the Marine boot camp. And in boot camp, before a Marine recruit can actually become a Marine, the recruits have to go through what's called um, a, a major test. And the test is 54 continuous hours. Um, where the, the recruits are tested physically, mentally, and emotionally, and even morally, because you have to make good moral decisions. Um, the recruits have to endure night and day tests, and they have to problem solve, overcome many obstacles, help and encourage each other, and they have to march, get this, 48 miles with 45 pounds of gear on their backs. They have to successfully complete 36 warrior stations, and complete 29 team building types of exercises in just over two days with, get this, only six hours of sleep and then two MREs are meals ready to eat. Now, this arduous test that the recruits have to go through is called the crucible. Now, it doesn't matter how well the recruit has done in boot camp, if they do not pass the crucible, they will not become a Marine. Now, the recrucible is designed to bring out the recruit's best performance when they're at their worst physically, mentally, and emotionally. Now, by definition, a crucible is a severe test, a place or situation in which concentrated forces merge to cause change or development. Again, a crucible is a severe test, a place or situation in which concentrated forces merge to cause change or development. Now, what is the purpose of the crucible? It's this. If the recruits can survive the crucible, then chances are likely that on the real battlefield, they will be able to survive. But if you can't survive the crucible, then you definitely won't survive the real battlefield. Now, come with me because before the Marines ever developed the crucible for their recruits, you've got to know that God had a test in place for the soldiers in his army. And so 
What we want to do is make sure that we understand God's crucible because God's crucible is not a one time test at the end of boot camp. Rather, it is a series of trials and tests that we go through that are always testing our faith, not for God's knowledge, because God knows everything, but so that we can see where we are, but also so that we can bring glory to him. That's a great place to say amen. And if you can't say amen, like I tell people like Grace, say hot dog. All right. Now, so let's look at the text. James 1, 1 through 8. James 1, 1 through 8. Uh, and I'm reading and here it goes. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 disciples in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials or meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, that is driven and tossed by the wind. Last two verses. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray. Most gracious God, thank you for blessing us to be here. And Lord, I thank you for these, my brothers and my sisters, your children, your creation, God. And even as we look at your word for just a few moments, Lord, I pray that you will take this one sermon, Heavenly Father, and cut it up and customize it so that each person, each man, each woman, each boy, each girl get what we need, Heavenly Father, on today so that we can leave here better men, better women, better boys, better girls, and most of all, better Christians. In the precious name of Christ, I pray. Amen. All right. Now. James, the brother of Jesus, understood when he wrote this that Christians scattered throughout the nations were going through tough times. He understood that there were issues of poverty and persecution for being followers of Jesus Christ. And as a result, they needed to be encouraged. So James, in his wisdom, our God through him, writes this letter telling the benefits of trials in the life of the believer. Now, just like James' audience needed to be encouraged, I just felt that we could stand to be encouraged because I'll tell you this, I love seeing all the young faces in the audience here, but even though your faces are young, it does not mean that you have not, are not, or will not face trials in your life. And so when you face those trials, you need to have the proper encouragement and the proper tools in your toolbox. Now, too many Christians and too many Christ followers have taken the mindset of the world, which is that we shouldn't have trials and we shouldn't have tribulations. But that is not the theology that is taught in the Bible. In fact, the Bible teaches that we grow closest to God when we are actually going through trials because our dependence and our intimacy um, grow in those moments. Our dependency on God grows and our intimacy with him grows in those difficult times. Now, I was studying this text. Again, I used to be a teacher and an instructor, and we used to have what's called the essential question. And this text does have one essential question, which is this. How can trials that produce pain and hardship be beneficial? How can trials that produce pain and hardship be beneficial? It's almost counterintuitive because the first thing you're thinking is, wait a minute, Sammy, 
if it's a trial and it causes me pain and hardship, how can that be good for me? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Let's see what James has to say. Because James tells us that there are three benefits from the trials that we face. Number one, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you with me? You with me? Talk back to her, brother. You with me? All right, here we go. Number one, trials provide a reason for us to have joy. Trials provide a reason for us to have joy. You see, God allows trials in our lives to help mature us. And if we don't understand this principle right here, then we are going to have miserable lives as Christians on this earth. You see, as Christians, we should see trials as tests. And anytime we are tested, it is an opportunity for us to see where our faith is. And again, an opportunity for us to glorify God. Uh, look at 1 Peter 1, 6-7. 1 Peter 1, 6-7, it says this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, watch this, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what Peter's saying here is when we are tested and we pass the test, it shows that our faith has grown, making our faith more precious than gold that has been purified by fire. Now think about that. When you go through tests, when you go through trials in life, it means, and you pass the test, right? So there's a caveat, got to pass the test. It means that your faith is more precious than gold that has been purified by fire. That's something to get excited about, y'all. Let me put it in layman's terms. You see, James is not saying that we should be excited because we're going through a trial, but he's saying that we can rejoice despite being in the trial. Now, some of y'all are saying, oh, wait a second. How is it that we can rejoice despite being in the trial? Here's how. Now, I was told that this congregation is comprised mainly of uh, college students and young adults and young professionals. So watch this. When you are in the workplace, right? Anybody who wants to be a lawyer first has to take the bar exam. Or if you want to be um, a doctor, you got to take the medical boards. If you want to be a CPA, you have to take the CPA exam. Now, I have yet to meet a person who's happy about having to take the bar exam, medical boards, or the CPA exam. My sister's a CPA, and we all know lawyers and doctors, right? I have yet to meet a person who's happy about taking any of those. However, when they take the test and pass it, right, people who take the bar and pass it, they're happy that they are a lawyer. People who take the medical boards and pass them, they're happy that they're now a doctor. People who take the CPA exam and pass it, they're happy that they're now a certified public accountant. So watch this. They're not happy about the test, but they are happy about what the test has produced. How does that relate to us? Here's how. As Christians, when we go through trials in our life, Again, we don't have to be happy about going through the trial, but we can be happy in the trial because after we get through it and we pass it, then we are better Christians with a more mature faith. And so that is something to be happy about. But watch this. James further illustrates, right? Because the first thing is we, 
we have joy or can have joy going through trials. But second of all, trials produce steadfastness or endurance. Now watch this. You can only build endurance if you are tested or challenged. That's it. So our son ran track for the University of Minnesota, right? And so if you're not tested and challenged, then your endurance is not going to grow. So it's like this. Um, our church at Grace, every year we do a uh, 5K. So that's 3.1 miles, right? 3.1 miles. So I had never run a 5K before I came to Grace. But I said, I want to run the 5K. And I actually want to run the 5K and not have to run, walk, run, walk. You know what I'm saying? I want to run it. So first, I had to run a half of a mile. I got that down. And then I ran a mile. And then I ran a mile and a half. And then I ran two miles. And then I worked my way up to 3.1 miles. So here's the deal. As I was training... Look, there were days when my lungs would burn. There were days when my legs would ache. My arms would get heavy. My muscles would cramp up. But it was all a matter of me building my endurance. So here's what happens. As Christians, watch this, as Christians, when we are going through trials and tests, it is not going to always feel good. In fact, it's rare that a trial is going to feel good. But if we will press through the pain pressed through the pressure, then on the other end of pressing, we will have greater endurance. Greater endurance makes us stronger. Watch this. Here is a question for the congregation. Who in here, by raising your hand, who wants to be a weak Christian? Raise your hand. Anybody want to be a weak Christian? I see no hands. All right, watch this. Who in here wants to be a strong Christian? Raise your hand. You want to have strong faith. All right, so watch this, hands down. Many of us, if not all of us in here, we want to be strong Christians, but most of us hate going through the process of becoming a strong Christian. How do I know? Uh, here's why. Because in order to become a strong Christian, we got to have trials. If there's no trial, there's no pain. If there's no pain, there is no endurance. If there's no endurance, then you are a weak Christian. So the only way that you can become a strong Christian is you got to have trials, you got to have pain to build your endurance, pass the test, and then you're on your way to being a strong Christian. But now the third thing that James tells us is this. He tells us trials make us perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Trials make us perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now watch this. James is not saying that we should try to achieve a state of flawlessness. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is that as Christians, we should strive to reach greater and greater levels of maturity, right? Because here's the deal. If you're 21 and you still react to a situation like a one-year-old, then you have not matured. But watch this. Same thing as a Christian. If you've been a Christian for 10 years, and you still respond to situations and people the way you did when you first became a Christ follower, something is terribly wrong. So we should be growing. But now watch this. God has birthed us as believers, right? Because he called us. We accepted Christ. But now we have to grow in him. And throughout the Bible, we see time and time again that God's children are closest to him when we have nowhere else to turn. Let me give you an illustration. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I believe it's on the screen. Yes, it is. Here's what it says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So what is Paul saying here? So Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh. This is a familiar passage to most of us, right? And the point of the text is that when we are weak and vulnerable, it creates the perfect situation for God to step in and strengthen us, number one, so that only he gets the credit, but number two, it allows him, him to give us a grace that we didn't know existed so that we can make it through the challenges that we're facing. Said another way, this way, the only way that we can lack nothing is to get to the point that we are totally dependent on God for everything we have and cherish. That is the only way. That's why I like Acts 17, 28 that says, in him we live and move and have our being. Watch that. In him we live and move and have our being because we are totally dependent on God. Now, those are the three things that James talks about, right? So we can have joy going through trials. We can have endurance and then we are made complete going through trials. But then I love James because he gives us two quick bonus lessons. Somebody say bonus. He gives us two quick bonus lessons. So here we go. So number one, the first bonus lesson is this. Trials provide the opportunity for us to get wisdom. Watch this. Now, if you want to know what God is doing through the trial in you, James says, ask God for wisdom because God is one who gives bountiful amounts of wisdom without scolding us or being upset with us. Why? Here's why. Because God does not want us to endure trials and not get some kind of wisdom from it. Y'all, we do not serve a God that just says, hey, I want you to go through this trial and this test that's going to be hard and I just want you to go through it just because that is not how God works God says I want you to go through it number one because I want to build your faith but then also I need you to see where your faith is you going through it is going to glorify me but then you going through it will also allow you to testify and encourage somebody where you have been ministered to how many people in here, show of hands, how many people have been through something and you didn't like it when you were going through it only to find out later, later that you were able to minister and encourage somebody else who was going through what you had been through? Anybody in the house? Anybody in the house? See, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of God we serve. But watch this. How many times, brothers and sisters, do we go through trials and we murmur and we complain and we say stuff like, why me, God? Why me? What did I do to deserve this? Or God, can you take this trial away, right? Let's be honest. We're human. So sometimes we ask those questions, right? But now some of y'all look like y'all are super spiritual, like the praise team. The praise team looks super spiritual. So, so the praise team asks God questions like, I can see it. I just believe y'all do. So they ask God questions like, Okay, God, give me more grace to get through this. Now, y'all, that sounds deep, doesn't it? Give me more grace. And y'all, that is not a bad prayer to pray, right? We should all pray and ask God for more grace to get through stuff. But watch this. Notice this. James does not tell us to ask God for more grace. We can do that. But that's not what James tells us to ask for. What does James say? He says, ask for more what? Wisdom. Why? Here's why. Because wisdom is what enables us to know 
what to do with what we just been through. The reason, so those of you that raised your hand and said that you've been through something and then you were able to minister to or encourage somebody else, the reason you were able to minister to and encourage other people is because you gained wisdom from what you went through. That is a great place. Ooh, God, look, that is excellent. Y'all, I mean, look, I might not be encouraging y'all, but I'm encouraging myself, all right? Now, here's the deal. Here's it. This is important. When we make requests of God, if our motive is impure, that is a no-go. So, for instance, we cannot sit here and say, God, show me why I'm going through this just so that we could turn around and use that wisdom for something that is antithetical or the opposite of God's will. Right. So if we're asking God for wisdom or asking God for something, we need to then take what he blesses us with and use it for his purposes, not ours. Now, point number two, when it comes to wisdom, because after James tells us to ask for wisdom, he then tells us how to ask for wisdom. Watch this. Ooh, I love this picture here that James gives us. Watch this. So first of all, in verses six through seven, James says, let there be no doubting, no doubting. So don't doubt. If you're going to ask God, ask, right? So no doubting. Don't be double-minded, which literally means don't be divided between two opinions or caught between two opinions. And then I love the example that he gives because he says a double-minded man is like waves in the sea tossed and driven by the wind. Now watch this. I had to go do some studying on this, y'all. See, I studied so I could let y'all know. Now, some of y'all look smart and y'all look like y'all know this already. But for the rest of y'all who don't, I studied. So here we go. Here's what I found out about waves at sea. When you look at waves at a deep at sea, now I'm not talking about on the shore, but deep at sea, right? Like you've seen movies and like there are storms and the water's just going up and down. So it looks like the waves are going like this and moving forward. They're not. The waves are actually doing like this. Why? Because there is kinetic energy that is moving through the water. Kinetic energy, right? So what James is saying is when you are double-minded, it is as if you are a wave at sea that is doing this. You think you're doing this, but you're doing this. So he says, don't be like the waves at sea, but instead be of a singular mind and be focused on God. You see, here's what happens. Too many of us are stuck in life and we are stuck in our Christian walk because we're caught between two opinions. And it, and it looks like this. We ask ourselves, do I follow God or do I do my thing? Do I trust God? Do I not trust God? Do I pursue righteousness and holiness or do I pursue evil? Do I seek God's will or do I seek my pleasure? Y'all, we cannot do that. We got to have our minds made up and do what we know is right. So we're caught between two opinions and it causes us to walk in doubt. Now watch this, watch this. Our doubt, our doubt can hinder us from receiving the fullness of God's blessings. Our doubt can hinder us from receiving the fullness of God's blessings. Now, understand, doubt does not. Doubt does not have power over God. Nothing has power over God. 
So please don't hear me saying that doubt has power over God because it does not. God is all powerful. Nothing is mightier than God. Not even close. No one. Not even close. Right. Nothing or no one. But there are times when because of our doubt, God will refrain from allowing us to have the fullness of his joy or his glory in our life. Now, y'all look like some smart people. So I hear somebody saying, prove it, Sammy. I'm glad you said that. I don't have the text here, but pull out your phones or your iPad or whatever and go right quick to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, 53 through 58. Matthew 13, 53 through 58. Matthew 13, 53 through 58. And some of y'all are old school, so open up your Bibles. It's all good. All right, so I'm reading, um, I'm going to read, uh, I'll read the ESV version. The ESV says this, and when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and uh, Judas? And are not his sisters all with us? Where then did this man get these things? And watch this. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and in his own household. And watch this. He did not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. It's not that he couldn't do it, but in this situation, because of their unbelief, Jesus decided, I am not going to show them the fullness of the glory of the Father today. So, y'all, doubt can cause us to have hindered blessings from God. And we don't want that. Because think about it. Why go through the pain of trials in your life and testing your life only to receive part of what God has for you. So we got to have made up minds, y'all. And remember this, in life, there will be good times and there will be hard times. Now the world says everything should be peachy king all the time and there should not be any trials. The world says if we do have trials and hardships, then we should murmur and complain. The world says that if we have trials, then there is no good that can come from them. But I'm here to tell you that those are all lies from the pit of hell because God allows us to have trials to grow us up, to grow closer to him, to help us to be more Christ-like and to help us to minister to others where we have been ministered to. Now, everybody in here, everybody in this room is in one of three places regarding trials. You're either in a trial, you're headed into a trial and you don't know it yet are you coming out of a trial but all of us are in one of those three places and when i say trial y'all it could be a big trial it could be a small trial but all of us are in one of those three places either in a trial headed into a trial or coming out of a trial because that is the cycle of life and you will forever as long as you're on this side of earth be in one of those places now Closing remarks, learn to embrace trials and know that, know that you can have joy because of what the trial will produce. 
your endurance is being built up and you are maturing and you are gaining wisdom if you are stayed on Jesus and not double-minded. Most gracious God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this sermon. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us. And even as we have heard this, Lord, help us to make sure that when we face trials, we stick in there, we endure, and we have joy, and we glean wisdom. I pray this for my brothers and sisters. In the precious name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Let's pray together. Um, spend some time in silent prayer before uh, Pastor Sam comes back up and close in prayer for us. Uh, I think one thing that um, I, I was thinking of while I was listening to the sermon is um, it's kind of maybe a little, little ridiculous for some of us, but I thought of uh, the dialogue modem that I grew up with um, that may maybe uh, expose my age, but um, like back then, yeah, like I had to wait quite a bit uh, in order to get the internet working and I can finally go on the internet explorer uh, and explore the world. And it may take a few minutes, really, five minutes sometimes. And sometimes after making all that noise, it just wouldn't work. Um, whereas now, uh, with a click, uh, you know, we can do a lot of things you know, in an instant. To me, um, that's pretty damaging spiritually in many ways because when our minds and hearts are trained by the world um, that things are supposed to happen right away if there's something that we want that we have to get it right now if there are problems we gotta fix it right now and it works because of what we have right what we have right now in our on our hands But when we look at the word, um, the, the true reality of what our lives are all about, uh, we see that that is not how the real things really work. Uh, if we really want spiritual growth and intimacy with God, it takes lots of um, you know, trials and even suffering a long time of waiting and that's why there's a phrase in the Bible I wait on you Lord I wait on you um, so I really appreciated the word uh, from uh, Book of James uh, with Pastor Sam just really charging us to come back to the real world uh, where we really want to grow and uh, see God and experience change in our lives we have to embrace the waiting period we have to embrace um, the inconveniences uh, different ups and downs so could we just pray right now as we still our hearts before the Lord um, perhaps starting with the repentance 
perhaps uh, saying sorry for uh, making God into a genie in a bottle. Even spiritually, God, I, I want this. I want this growth, and I want this type of life. So give it to me, Lord. Give it to me. Instead of letting God shape us. From there on, let's also ask God to truly um, give us strength and uh, His presence that we need to go through uh, different trials that come from um, the, the gracious hand of God for our growth. So can we do that? Just be honest with Him and just come before Him um, as we are, and let's let's receive uh, His strengthening right now as we confess and uh, ask Him uh, honestly. Let's pray together.